So good morning, everybody. It's good to be back home. If you're uh, brand new here for the first time, we're just so glad you joined us. And um, if you haven't received one of our bulletins, just raise your hand and we'll get one to you. It's got all the information in it, what's coming up, all the activities around here. And the Pure Conference information is in here too. So I really want to encourage you to come out this week, set the week aside, compress into the things of God. You will not be disappointed. Amen. And then um, we uh, just got back from Kenya yesterday. We went on a scouting tour, spy out the land. And, um, wow, there's so much to say. Like, what do you say? You know, what do you talk about? But in uh, November last year, when we got back from launching Club Pure South Africa, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to partner with Pastor Gideon, who's in Kenya. Put that picture up. Blade, come up here. Um, Put that one up with Gideon and Evelyn so people see who we're talking about. And... um, He said, partner with Gideon, because they have around 60 churches now. And um, he said, go and work with him to establish buildings in the nation for the churches. So we just came back from South Africa, spent $100,000 launching that location over there. And then when we get back, the Lord says, start kingdom business and then go into the nations and, and build churches. If you're in kingdom business, I'm letting you know right now, you're about to be multiplied and you're about to be increased if you'll do it God's way. That's all I'm telling you right now. God did not tell us to start kingdom business and go and build buildings for no reason. The two go hand in hand. Amen. God's going to give you the wisdom to obtain wealth so that we can establish the kingdom here on earth. Can you say amen? And so, you know, when you hear the Lord speak to you, you know His voice. Then rolling into the new year, um, the Lord spoke to me again, and He said to me, while I was scrolling through Facebook, because I needed to do a little promotion, I was looking at all the pictures of our kids in our preschool, before and after school care, in our Pure Academy. I was just looking at the hundreds of pictures that were posted on our social media pages. And while I'm scrolling through the pictures, the presence of God comes on me like powerfully where I'm vibrating, shaking under the power of God in my office. Uh, Has anybody ever had fever so bad that you're vibrating, shaking, and your teeth are clattering? Anybody had that? Well, that's, that's demonic. But there's another realm in the spirit where the power of God comes upon you, where you shake like that under the glory of God. No, because I had that happen to me. Like, listen, Jesus rebuked the fever and it left. It's a spirit. So anyway, I don't want to preach. So the power of God comes on me in my office. And the Lord speaks to me. Look at the person next to you. Say, anytime the presence of the Lord comes upon you, the power of God comes on you. And you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the minute the presence of God comes on you, the power of God comes on you. 
And the power of God is like electricity, and you shake under that power depending how high the voltage is. And if you get shocked in Kenya, you've got 220 rolling through your system. That's another level of power. If you hit three-phase power, you're dead. Give him some three-phase power, Jesus. <laughs> so anyway, where was I? So the Lord said to me, he said, they're all saved because of what you've done. And when he said that, I just began to weep. And the Lord said to me, reach more of them for me and I'll give you anything you want. I don't know if you heard what I just said. He said, reach more of them for me and I'll give you anything you want. See, I had asked the Lord to give me the numbers to the Powerball because it was like $2 billion. And it was crickets. There was no numbers from heaven. And that Saturday, the Lord came and He said, if you'll reach more of these kids for me, I'll give you anything you want. Amen. And that's the key to increase is just knowing the will of God and doing the will of God. Because God always provides for what He desires to establish in the earth. Amen. And so then when we went to the men's conference, it was a Saturday morning uh, of the conference, and I was sitting in the meeting, and the power of God came on me again. Same thing. And then the Lord said to me, He started showing me faces of orphans, and He said to me, I am gracing you and your wife to become the mother and the father of my orphans in Kenya, and I will raise them up to positions of influence, even to the position of president. And what you establish in the nation in the next 10 years will become a national model that will be duplicated in other nations. And so that's why we went to Kenya. We went to Kenya to go see the state of the churches. We went to go check out the land. We went to determine how we're going to dig wells, how we're going to build buildings. Because if you, don't, if you don't have connections over there, you're just in a foreign country and you have no connection to resources or anything. And so we had to go figure out what was available, what the churches were, where they were, meet the pastors. And so Blade came with me so that we could record it. We could get a documentary together because as we launched the Nick and Misty show, Everything that we start raising money for now is going to build in the nations and reach more kids. Can you say amen? And as much as we want to build on this property, the Bible says what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Can you say amen? And so we're going to build. We're, we're tapping into a season of building because those buildings are going to be filled with kids. Can you say amen? And uh, those churches are going to be filled with families. And what we're doing right here in America, what we've taken 15 years to establish as a model, is now being duplicated in the nations. And the Lord spoke to me back in 2005, and He said to me, I'm going to restore your family, you're going to start business, you're going to expand business, you're going to build a home, and then you'll have an international ministry. And we have just crossed the line from local to international. We're being expanded into the nations. We're a local church with international reach. Can you say amen? And through this house, God is going to do powerful things in the nations. Say, so that's me. So I'm part of it. So I wanted Blade to come and share. 
Come on, Blade. We, uh, you know, I took him with me, and it was like his first trip into, like, the mission field in Kenya. And just wanted him to share his experience and just a little bit about his journey. Yeah. It was an epic trip. <laughs> we say epic a lot. Epicest. But it was awesome. Awesome trip. It was an eye-opening experience, too, because... Just seeing how I've been to third world countries. I've been to Trinidad. We've been to South Africa, and we've been, South Africa is kind of built up, but there was churches in there. There were like Zulu churches. They were like, uh, I don't know where that mountains. was at. It was down in so there. it's like the floors are mud. They have a tent, and that's their church. There's no sound system. There's no nothing. They're just out there preaching, playing. They have their drums. They play. So... <laughs> I've seen that before, but Kenya was just like another experience. And just seeing how their lifestyle is and their culture, and even though they have little, they're so grateful for what they have. And then when we go there, they're like, it's such an honor and a blessing to have you guys here. And they're so generous. Like when we went, we were able to go view 11 churches. And so Pastor Gideon, that we're teaming up with, partnering with, with Everything Pure, he has close to 70 churches in Kenya. And we were able to see 11 out of those. And even just going to some of the pastor's homes and seeing how they live, they have no water, they have no electricity. And, just, and they even have to grow their own food. They have like chickens, they have cows. <laughs> and they're so generous when we got there, they want to give us their best. They wanted to kill the chicken for us so we could bring a chicken home and eat it. And we're like, what are we going to do with the chicken? We're at a hotel. <laughs> they were going to kill the chicken, put it in a bag, and put, give it to us in the trunk. And just give us a chicken. And they don't have much, so that's their best to give us. And we're like, no, we want you to keep your chicken. <laughs> and me and my dad are picky, so... We're not just going to eat anything. <laughs> and then Probably would have been a good chicken, though. <laughs> yeah, well, healthy one. Pastor Gideon, which he's actually a bishop, and he, he uh, manages 70 churches. Um, he's like, you know what? You guys got to come back. You guys got to have some nice goat. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> me and my dad are like, no, we're not having goat. <laughs> we like lamb <laughs> lamb, is lamb <good>. chops <laughs> lamb chops you know but it was awesome and even these guys are like like i just thought about it it's like a they have a can-do attitude anything they need done it's done possible like if if you guys can play that one video it's a couch on a motorcycle oh yeah check this out on a small motorcycle we saw this. We were like, this is next level. I'm like, is that what I think it is? He's even got a small chair with the couch. Yeah. So I told Pastor Gideon, overtake the guy. I want to see this. <laughs> so that was that. So they have like a can-do can attitude. Right? And sometimes we're like, oh, we can't do it. I didn't, I didn't have enough sleep. These guys are not even sleeping on beds. Right? So that's like an eye-opener thing where we're so used to the stuff we have. Like, we're like, I can't do my day because I don't got coffee. Right? These guys don't even get coffee. They don't get running water. 
They got to boil their water to have good water to drink. And where we were, it was better living conditions. They build their homes with mud and sticks. But where there's other churches, they have to walk like multiple hours just to go get water, then bring it home, and then start a fire, and then clean the water. And then we're Turkana, where we brought water. And it was just it was just an awesome experience. We were able to be like my dad was saying, we were with the like the orphans, the street to even with the government officials and high people in the community. And that was just an experience to be able to be where the lowest is in Kenya and meeting the people that are running what's happening in Kenya. And to see all the churches that all these bishops, they came out to see Pastor Rodney and his meeting, which was awesome. We were able to see the first lady which is the, the president's wife of Kenya. So that was super awesome. And even just like our trip, we had like hiccups. Like we, we lost our luggage. Three they, days. Yeah. So lost it, our passports. Yeah. I left them on the plane. We missed our flight. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. And then... <laughs> And what's funny is like what Pastor Missy was saying this morning. She's like, things will happen. Are you still going to praise him? Are you still going to praise him when things are coming at you, when the storms come? So we're just laughing. I was a little, I could say, I was a little tired and a little irritated. Oh, yeah. It's like 12 o'clock at night. You can't leave the airport. Yeah, without your Go passport. through customs because you don't have your passport. And they need to search the plane for two hours before they can even let you know if they have it. So... You know, and then I'm feeling bad because my son's tired and I left the passports on the plane. And then everywhere we went, I was triple checking if I had my passports with me. Even the guy said to us, you got your passport? We're like, oh, yeah, let's. Let's double check. The uh, hotel guy. And then we were able to go to Dubai afterwards, just like a three-day thing. And it was just like that even the culture and everything there, totally different. Uh, majority Muslim. They have their mosque temples everywhere, and every third hour, fifth hour, you hear their music, their uh, Arabic music, their prayer music. <laughs> I can't replicate it too well, <laughs> but it's, it's different. And that was so interesting. And even in Kenya, there was places where they were very built nicely, and then there was um, not so, like there was churches, there were schools that were built by the government, and they're super nice buildings. And then you see like these pastors and what they have. So like being able to say like, I want God to use me to fund the kingdom so I can see that quality that the world has for the church and see that be produced in Kenya. And even in Dubai, there's, it's so wealthy over there. It's like a tourist place. And seeing what they build is insane. And like it opened my, even my like, my spiritual man to believe God for more, to say, I, I need this for the kingdom. We need to build buildings like this. We need to have centers like this for our, for our kids, for our churches. So it was super cool, awesome experience. Yeah, it was great. Thanks, yeah. Blaine. You're welcome. Love you. Love you. So uh, interesting, eye-opening trip. Lots got accomplished. And... Um, I'm just glad that my son was able to come with me. Um, just experience what it is to go to the nations um, and for him to be able to start learning what you need to do if you lose your passport. What do you need to do if you miss your flight? 
What do you do if you lose your baggage for three days? You know what I'm saying? It's training. You can look at it in the sense of being mad and upset and actually miss what God is doing in the midst of it, right? And so when you just stay in peace and trust the Lord, you can learn anything out of any situation. Amen. Father, we thank you for your goodness, God. We love you, Lord. And I ask that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done right in this place, right now, as it is in heaven. And I thank you, Lord, for your provision. I thank you, Lord, that you, you give us the strength to walk in righteousness and that we don't yield to temptations, God. Father, I thank you for the grace to forgive those who come against us. And Father, I thank you today as we just teach from your word, as we look at your word, God, that wisdom and understanding would come Come and speak to our hearts, Lord. Even while I'm speaking, speak to your people. Open their eyes so they can see. Open their ears so they can hear. Open their hearts, Lord, to receive your word today. And let it produce abundance on every side. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? So part of the trip, what was really great about it is we were able to join Pastor Rodney and Adonica Howard-Brown. They're doing an Africa tour, and uh, one of the places they were going to stop on this Africa, six-week Africa tour was the nation of Kenya. And before summer, when we went up for a meeting for the um, Youth Fire Week with the pastors up there, we were talking with Pastor Rodney, and we had already decided we were going to Kenya in September, and he started talking about going to Africa doing a whole nation, nation tour, and I asked him, well, when are you going to be in Kenya? And he said, I'll be there, you know, around the 10th through the 12th of September, and I said, well, we're going to be there the same time, and he was originally going to go to Nairobi for three days, and when the first lady of the nation found out, who is a praying woman, found out that he was going to be coming to the nation, he call, she called the office here in Tampa and asked if Pastor Rodney would come and do a meeting in the city of Eldoret. And Eldoret was the very city where we were going to be. And my plan was to fly Pastor Gideon and some of his pastors to um, Nairobi so we could be part of those meetings. But it ended up turning out that he was flying into the very city we were going to be in. And it just worked out perfectly. You can't even make this stuff up. Then Pastor Gideon... Um, his brother works for the first lady. And he's the faith minister of the nation. And I, he was watching my Zoom meetings when we were doing Visions to Reality just a year or two ago. I know the guy for several years already. And he got a, a job as the faith minister for the Department of Faith for the nation of Kenya. So anytime that anything is happening where the First Lady needs interaction with the ministers or the bishops or pastors in the nation, this is the guy that's organizing it. You can't make this up, guys. So he came to pick us up on the Monday, um, Dawson. He came to pick us up on the Monday to take us to the meeting, and I jump in the car with him, and I'm just talking to him, you know, basic stuff, and I'm like, 
so, you know, what kind of, what kind of, how long are you going to be in office? That's what I asked him. And he said he'll be there for these four years that he's in right now. And then if they get reelected, he'll have another four years. And then I said, what will you do if you don't get elected again? And he said, well, um, the first lady of the nation, she is called Mama. She did an organization, Mama Does Good, or something like that. And she wants to drill 30 wells in poor areas in the nation. I said, really? You want to drill wells in the nation? What well drilling equipment are you using? He says, well, let me tell you a story. Uh, A couple of years ago, a company bought well drilling equipment for $300,000. And then in COVID, they lost the business and they defaulted on their payment. And so the bank called two other companies to see if they wanted to buy the equipment, but they ended up not buying it. And then he got a call from the bank and was offered to buy the equipment for $70,000. He has well drilling equipment that can go 450 meters into the ground. He has a crew, everything set up. And I asked him, well, how much would it cost if you drilled the well for me? He said $15,000. The cheapest quote I could get was $25,000 to drill a well. I said, will you go anywhere in the nation? He said, yes, I will. And he said, the money that we're raising from drilling wells, we're going to use to drill more wells in the country. Because the government cannot fund church projects. So they need outside money to be able to do this. And so I I gave Pastor Gideon a mouthful. I said, your brother has well drilling equipment. And you're not telling me this. And I'm trying to find quotes from all kinds of heathens in the nation. So that came together. Come on, Gideon, brother. Brother. And so that was pretty, pretty amazing. Amen. And then just to sit under. So remember before I left, I said, we're going to meet the president and his wife like it was something simple. Do you know they have, they have secret service? Like they have state police that God's the president of the nation. There were 50 of these Secret Service people surrounding the president. You don't breathe wrong over there. You get taken out. But just to, just to, this is what's really interesting. Nothing just happens. Look at the person next to you saying nothing just happens. And what I've come to realize in my life is that the Lord will connect you with people 10, 15 years ago. And you don't know why you're meeting these people. But you suddenly connect with them. You get to know them. And then in another season, listen to me, in another season, there's a purpose for that relationship. Right? And so I met Dawson several, many years ago. And now in this season, it's not like weird. No, we already know each other. There's no, well, you're the head of the government in the Department of Faith. No, we actually have a relationship. So for him and I to talk about stuff is easy. It's not like weird where we have to develop this relationship and you've got all these titles involved, right? And so the Lord said to me that in 10 years from now, what we build will become a model for other nations to adopt. This trip, we stepped into understanding what government protocol looks like in preparation for what's coming 10 years from now. Are you with me? So there was so much 
that happened in this trip to establish things for where we're going. Are you with me? And so it's just powerful. And for my son, for me to bring my son, who's like 20 years old, right? For him to be in the streets with the orphans and then be sitting um, under a tent with the first lady of a nation, with all the government officials and the bishops of a nation is pretty powerful. And so Pastor Rodney came into the nation. This is really interesting too. I know I'm not preaching, but I'm just telling stories. What's really interesting too is Pastor Rodney came in in a governmental capacity into the nation. He flew on a plane that kings fly in. It's a 19 first-class seater plane with a bedroom, with a conference room. I mean, top-line Airbus that he flew into the nation with, right? And he came in to talk to presidents. He came in to talk to the cabinets. He came to talk to the ministers of the nation and to speak into the business realm on the highest levels in the nation. At the same time, we're coming in at the lowest place in the nation. God is going to impact the nation of Kenya in a way that we do not yet know. From the highest place in government to the orphan on the streets. There is a wind blowing into that nation. There is a shift coming into that nation. And we're part of what God is desiring to do in the nation of Kenya. I feel the presence of the Lord, man. And that's how we're going to transform that nation. We're going to raise up orphans that are going to take place of influence. And when they know God rescued them, they will stand for God. Yeah, I'm telling you. So that's where we're heading. Can you say amen? amen. It's so fun. We're just like, I'm just this farm boy from the middle of nowhere in a nation of Africa, and God takes you because you cry out to Him. You decide to surrender your life to Him. And it's amazing what God will do through you if you'll just surrender your life. If He did it for me, He'll do it for you. Amen. So one of the things uh, I wanted to share here, when Pastor Rodney was there speaking on the, the Monday before him, there was another uh, pastor who was there, I forget his name now, from the nation of Uganda, and he was preaching, and he was talking about the four rivers in um, the book of Genesis. And I've always wondered what these four rivers were. I read it all the time. I don't know why God put it in the Bible. But the Lord talks about uh, in the garden, in Genesis chapter 2, He says in verse 10, A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden, and then dividing into four branches. The first branch was called the Pison, which flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Its aromatic resin and onyx stones are also found there. Say riches. The second branch, or the second river, is called the Gihon, which flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch is the Tigris, and the Tigris that flowed east of the land of Ashur. And the fourth branch is the Euphrates River. And so he went and he broke down these four rivers, and he explained what they were. And I'd never heard this before in my life. And, one, and I'll just give it to you quickly, because i got to go study it out. But he said the first river, the Pison River, represents worship in your life. Look at the person say worship. And around that river, gold is found. 
precious stones are found. You cannot separate your wealth from your worship. Your wealth is part of your worship. Are you with me? Don't say you're worshiping God, but you don't bring what's precious and wealthy to you as you're worshiping. And so gold is used as a form of worship. It's not to be worshiped. The second river. Look at the person next to you. Say the second river. Represents the anointing. Solomon was anointed at the Gihon River. It represents the anointing. Look at the person next to you. Say you need the anointing of God in your life. The third river represents prayer. And the fourth river represents revelation. And so those are the four things that we need to walk in. We need to be worshipers that are anointed. We need to be people of prayer. And we need to flow in the revelation of God, knowing the future and knowing what it is that God wants to do. And I believe we're going to see that break out here this week as we step into Pure Conference. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we're going to be fasting and praying. And I know everybody's got different ideas about fasting and prayer. Um, and I'm going to let you figure out how you want to do that. But the best way to do it is take three days and drink water. Spend time reading your Bible. Uh, spend time just pressing into God. Amen. And, you know... Well, can I drink coffee? Can Figure it out yourself. Where your faith level is. Let me tell you what fasting and prayer is. Water, three days, and Jesus. That's the standard. You can figure it out in between. Amen. But I want to encourage you. You say, well, I don't know if I'll survive. When you get fever and you're sick for three days and you don't eat, you survive. So trust me, you're not going to die. Besides, in America, everybody has a few pounds that their stomach can eat, and you'll be okay. Can you say amen? Just tell your stomach to shut up. That's all you got to do. It's going to grumble. It's going to whine. It's going to complain. When you came out of your mother's womb, you cried for food, and your stomach is still crying. And there has to be a day where you tell your stomach to shut up. Can you say amen? And there's things that you want broken out of your life, and some things will not break until you fast and pray. Some of the things that you're struggling that we as ministers can't even break out of your life can only be broken through fasting and prayer. And so I want to encourage you, just go for it. Take your giving to another level, because that's your worship going to another level. Separate yourself unto God, press into His Word, and see what He will do. Amen? I remember in the beginning, when I was brand new to all of this, I didn't know how to pray in tongues. You know, I didn't know what the fire of God was. I didn't know how the power of God would flow out of you. I didn't know how the gifts of the Spirit worked. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to win somebody to the Lord. But I just dived in to the deep end and made a fool of myself so many times but I didn't really care because Jesus had delivered me and saved me from certain death. He turned my life around. And, and when I discovered him and what he had available for me, I gave my entire life to him. And from that day forward, I made a decision that I was going to live according to what God said. And if I didn't understand it, I'd just keep pressing on it until I figured it out. Can you say amen? And you just need to go for it. 
You need to forget about what everybody else thinks, what everybody else's opinion is. You got to just run after God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Fasting and prayer, I'm going to do it. Giving, I'm going to do it. Praising, I'm going to give Him my best praise. Worship, I'm just tell people about Jesus, tell my whole office. Just go for it. Look at the person next to you. Say, I dare you. Just do it. Do it. Do it. Go ahead, do it. And so just press in this week. Amen. And God's going to speak to you. God's going to pour out His wisdom. God is going to show you things for the year to come. And I'm very excited about what the Lord's going to show you. The Lord's already spoken to me about the next 10 years, what we're doing, where we're going, and we're starting to flow in it. But it's time for you to discover the wisdom of God for your life. Amen. So in the book of Matthew, let's go to Matthew. Man, I've got so many rabbit trails that I'm going on here. Things that I am sharing. Go to Matthew chapter 16. There's seasons of empowering. I know I've got to preach that, but I'm talking. There's seasons of empowering for that next season. And this whole church is getting ready to be empowered for what we need to step into. It's going to happen this week at Pure Conference. With us fasting and praying and seeking the Lord, there's coming impartations and empowering for what the Lord wants to do in the next season. Those that He has called to business are going to see uh, wisdom and understanding being poured out to produce wealth in a way that it has never been produced before in your life. There's coming a supernatural divine increase in this week for you, for your family, for your business, for your anointing, for your life. And when you tap the wisdom of God for your life, it produces... uh, long satisfying life in the right hand and riches and honor in the left and all its ways are satisfying. The thing that you need is wisdom. And whatever has been limiting you, whatever has been holding you back, there is a wind that is blowing. There are angels that have been released. And there's a way through the darkness to tap the strategies of God so that you can see the promises of God begin to birth in your life. That's what's here. We are stepping into this brand new year. And this brand new year is the year of the open door. You say, well, how do you know that? Just trust me. It is the year of the open door. I don't have time to break down the Hebrew number and tell you what it is. But it is the year of the open door. It is that door that was opened up into heaven where John on the Isle of Patmos heard a voice say, come up here because I got some things I need to show you. Even Misty prophesied it in the beginning of this. She didn't know what she was saying. But there is a key that is going to be given to you because Jesus in Isaiah 22, I'm preaching pure conference. Isaiah 22, 22. I'm just getting you ready. The government is on his shoulders. He has the keys to the kingdom. And there are doors that he's going to open that you cannot enter until he opens that door. And if he shuts the door, you'll never be able to go that way again. And there's things that the enemy has been doing in your life that he's held you bound. God is going to shut those doors and he's going to open brand new doors to blessing in your life. There is divine increase coming on every side. And there is nothing the devil can do to stop it. This is not the hour of the Antichrist. This is the hour of the church. And God is raising His church up in these last days. And we're going to impact nations for the kingdom. He's fired up about something. 
It's like fire in your bones. So in Matthew 16, (laughs) should I go on another rabbit trail? (laughs) Matthew 16, verse 13, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Look at the person next to you and say, everybody's got an opinion about who Jesus is. But who is Jesus to you? That's the most important question you have to ask yourself. Who is he to you? Who is Jesus to you? Forget about the opinions of people. Forget about what Hollywood has to say. Forget about what anybody else has to say. Who is Jesus to you? And if I asked you to write a paragraph on who Jesus is to you, what would you write? Do it. Go ahead. Write a paragraph about who Jesus is to you. You should do that. So that you can know for yourself what you believe about Jesus. Don't you think that would be a good fact-finding expedition where you don't have a Bible, where you got to go by actual experience about who Jesus is to you? That would be a good exploration for you to do. And here Jesus is asking his disciples this question. I think it's a good question to ask every follower of Jesus. Who is he to you? Some say he's this. Some say he's that. When we were in Dubai... You know, the nation is completely, I've never been to a nation that's governed by a theocracy, which is religion is the law of the land. Not a constitution, religion is the law of the land, right? And so everything goes according to the Quran, what the laws of the land are. Do you know that in um, Dubai, The government builds the mosques in every community. And they are top-notch. I'm telling you right now. The mosques that they have over there, they are on prime property and they are immaculate buildings. And you can see them everywhere. We were driving from Abu Dhabi to Dubai and on the one side of the road for probably five miles, you can see the communities and you can see the towers in in the center of every area where the mosques are established. So I'm talking to the taxi driver, and I say to him, because I didn't want to get him saved. I wasn't going there to get the guy saved and walk out with a trophy. I wanted to know what his religion was. And so I started asking him questions. And I said to him, so tell me about the mosques. Like, I want to know, do you have praise and worship? (laughs) What do you do in there? He said he goes to pray. I said, well, how many times a day do you go pray? He said, well, you can go five times a day, five services, I guess, in a day. But he goes, because of his work, he goes in the morning. And then after he gets up, gets dressed, he goes and prays. And then at the end of the day, before he goes home, he goes back and he prays again. So then I was asking him about, well, do you sing songs? Like, no, they just pray. I said, do you give money? He said, no, we don't give any money. But we're encouraged to bless the poor. Then I started asking them about the clothing they wear and why the ladies are covering themselves up and they have to cover their 
all the way to their ankles. They have to cover up to their hands. And some go as far as even covering their faces. And then he's telling me about the men's outfits. You know, here in America, we have this style where you wear your pants high and you can see your ankles. Over there, it's a religious thing. Because before you go into prayer, you have to take your shoes and socks off and wash your feet and wash your hands. And if you're wearing long pants, your pants will get wet. So here it's a trend. There it has a religious purpose. And you can tell by the people who go to prayer because they wear their pants high. It's like a sign. It's like a symbol. And so I'm just looking at all of this. They have prayer going on. I know I'm talking about Jesus. But they have prayer going on. Like you're in the mall eating breakfast, 9-17. Through the whole mall. Prayer going on through the whole mall. And it's a total different, total different country. The, everybody's in such fear. You can feel it. Nobody speaks. Nobody goes out of line. It's totally controlled by this weird thing in the air over there. It's very oppressive. It's very suppressive. And people over there are not happy. You look at everybody's faces. They are, there's no joy. There's no life in their eyes. They've got this religion, that they, these things that they have to keep up with. And if you don't keep up with it, then you're in trouble. Do you know that you cannot beg in Dubai, in the United Arab Emirates? It's against the law to beg. If you beg, you go to jail. Think about that. The government will take care of the poor. And people are encouraged to bless the poor, but you're not allowed to beg. When we got dropped off over there, we wanted to go down to their gold market to just check it out because it's the thing you go do. It was, I don't know, 10 blocks or more of just store after store after store selling gold. The craziest gold stuff you've ever seen in your life. I'm saying to myself, how on earth can a whole city downtown just be gold stores and survive? You can't sell that much gold and be able to pay your... There's no way. There's not enough people there to do it. And I was just walking through there, and the taxi guy dropped us off at the wrong place. And we had to walk down the side street. And we walked through. We, we've never been attacked with salesmen like we were attacked that day. There's a store here, a little shop right here. And then there's another one right there. And there's another one right there. And they each have their own trinkets. And so we walked down this aisle, and these guys mobbed us. It was like a fire tunnel all the way down where guys just stood outside, and everyone, like the hardest salespeople you've ever met in your life, trying to get you to come in their store and buy something from them. We must have gone through 20, 30 people before we escaped the tunnel of salesmen. And it was high pressure, like super high pressure. Why? Because they have to sell things to you to survive. They're not allowed to beg. That's how they make their living. And so I'm talking to this taxi guy, and I asked him, I, I put some cracks in his foundation for sure. So I said to him, I said, have you ever felt the presence of Allah? Because that's God to them. He's like, no. I said, has Allah ever spoken to you? He's like, no, that's, that's, that doesn't even compute with him. God talked to him. He's going to prayer twice a day. In the morning and in the night, 
washing his feet, going through the whole ritual, going on his face to pray to Allah. He's never felt the presence of Allah and he's never heard from Allah. Yet he's devoted. Talk about devotion. Going to a place to perform a religious ritual and yet there's nothing that is produced out of it. And we, we step into the presence of God we hear from God, but yet we don't have the devotion these guys have. I was shocked. I, I got shaken a bit. I realized I'm a little lackadaisy about my faith in the Lord compared to how these guys operate. And it's not a ritual. It's not supposed to be a ritual. It's supposed to be a relationship. I totally get it. But when I look at the devotion of these people, poor working as hard as they can. Let me tell you about the service industry. I know we're going to talk about who Jesus is, but this is just wrecking me. I rock up at the airport in Dubai for the very first time. I need to use the restroom. I walk into the restroom. There's two restroom attendants in this restroom. The guy sees me coming in. He was like flash. I've never seen somebody move this fast before in my entire life. He ran to the door and he stopped. He was like, no. He swung the door open he got all kinds of disinfectants, sprayed the top seat, the bottom seat, got it all clean, then took a Swiffer mop, mopped the floor on the inside there, put the stuff down, and then bowed down like this. He was like, I've never been ushered to a restroom in that manner ever before in my life. I gave the guy 10 bucks because I was blown away by this man's service in making sure the throne was positioned and cleaned properly for. I've never seen people serve like these people served with such good attitudes and such excellence. We had a door guy at the hotel, all his job the whole day. Open the door, close the door. Open the door and he stood like a soldier. And smiled as we came in and out. I was totally blown away by these guys. Never seen anything like it before. And so I asked the guy. He says, oh, you're a Christian. I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. He says, well, we believe Jesus is a prophet. Just like Muhammad was a prophet, but we don't believe he's the son of God. And so everybody has their opinions about who Jesus is. But who is he to you? And you got to figure that out because your whole faith is based on what you believe in Jesus. Can you say amen? God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus was baptized, baptized by John at the River Jordan, he came up out of the water and was praying and a sound from heaven came from the Father. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So God has announced that Jesus Christ is His Son. Look at the person next to you. Tell him, Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. There was an angel that appeared to Mary. You can read about that in the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, when this angel appeared to Mary, who was a virgin, this angel said to her that you will give birth to a son. Everybody say a son. And his name shall be called. So this angel even said what his name would be, that he would be holy and that he would establish God's kingdom on the earth. And so you can read through your Bible and you can read all different kinds of accounts from angels, from God, from people, and you can learn in your Bible who Jesus is. 
Look at the person next to you and tell them, there is no reason why you shouldn't know who Jesus is. But I'm telling you, the greatest understanding of who Jesus is comes through encounters. Comes through Him talking to you. Through Him teaching you. Through Him leading you. Through Him guiding you. Through Him showing you things in dreams and visions. The whole Christian life is about you being transformed. Look at somebody and say transformed. Into the image of Christ. That's what we're going for here. That's what the destination is at the end of the day. It's not money. It's not cars. It's not houses. It's not stuff. It's not titles. It's not Gucci. It's not Lamborghini. It's none of the things that the world has to offer. Do you walk in love? Because God is love. He's love. How's your love walk? If you want to know... If you want to know if you're acting like Jesus, check your love walk. 1 Corinthians, let me tell you a little bit about your love walk. Look at somebody and tell them we've all got work to do in this area. 1 Corinthians. It's in my Bible. I know it's off to Romans somewhere. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 13 says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. And if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. At the end of the day, you don't want to stand before God and God say you were a clanging, noisy symbol. Everything you did produced nothing. And you've gained nothing. Your life was a waste. I don't care how much money you have, how successful you are, how how nice your house is, how eloquent you speak, what degree you have at the end of your name. If you don't know how to walk in love, It's pointless. It means nothing to God. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. That's what the love of God looks like. And when you read 1 Corinthians 13, you need to use that passage of Scripture as a mirror for your life. Am I reflecting what God says love is in the earth? What is the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as you do yourself. This is the first and the greatest commandment. This is the standard that God is going to hold us to. Did we learn to love? Were we willing to lay down our selfishness, our own way, our own wants, our own desires, our own, and are we willing to walk in the love of God? Obedience to Him and laying down our lives 
to be a blessing to other people. The love of God is selfless. As a husband, if you're going to walk in the love of God, you're going to lay down your life for your family. You're going to serve your wife and you're going to serve your children. No roars in the crowd. As a wife, you're going to lay down your life to serve your children and serve your husband, expecting nothing in return. It's a selfless thing. There are no strings attached to your love walk. Children, if they're not in here. Pastor Chris will talk to him next door. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in all things. So as parents, you have to teach your kids obedience. God have mercy upon America. As a parent, your job is to teach your kids to listen and obey. We've got some wild kids in America. Seeing the kids of other nations, we're in trouble. This nation is in trouble. Seeing Dubai, to see what they're building in those cities and the infrastructure and what they're doing as a nation, America is on the decline. We are arguing about what gender we are. Our nation is arguing about whether we're what gender. Which of the 57 genders are we? What on earth is happening in our nation? Other nations are building buildings that are 2,700 feet in the sky. And we're wondering what gender we are. And as the church, we better wake up and we better be the light in darkness. Because if we do not stand up against this trash and bring balance and order back and sanity back to people, without Jesus, this nation is going down in flames. I'm telling you right now. The soul of our nation is at the point of extinction and going into darkness. And if we go into darkness, it'll be centuries before America comes out. We will not come out of it. There is a fight for the soul of this nation. Our borders are being invaded. We need God in our nation. And if we as the church don't stand up and be the light and the truth and the salt, and we can play church all day long, but who is Jesus to you? And are you ashamed of him? Are you ashamed of the word? Do you pattern your life after what God says? There is a responsibility we have if we're going to take on his name. And that responsibility is to live according to the word of God. And family, I come back from this trip and I am shaken to the core. My eyes have seen things in other nations. I've seen the poverty. I've seen the wealth. I've seen the hearts of people that serve in a manner other people, and they don't even have the God we have. They don't have the revelation we have. They don't, they don't even have the presence. And yet they're living better than we do. No complaining. No whining. 
They've got joy. These kids in Kenya, joy like I've never seen. Light in their eyes. And yet they live in poverty. And man, if we don't get our coffee in the morning, I don't have creamer for my coffee. God help the people that are going to face me that day. And so we need, to, we, need to, we need to shape up. And we can't blame ourselves because this is all we know. I was, I got to tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Isaiah, let me read some scriptures to, to make me get over this because, and then I'll talk some more. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Say, the kingdom of God is ruled by King Jesus, and he has a government, and his government will never fail. If you will build your life on the principles of the government of God, you will be stable and you will be strong. Can you say amen? Luke 4, 18 and 19 says, Jesus speaking, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Acts 10.38 says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And, when G- and Jesus went around doing good and healing all. Everybody say all. Who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And so here we see that Jesus is anointed. Everybody say anointed. anointed. Look at somebody and shout out anointed. anointed. What is anointing? What is that? Let's find it. Isaiah 10, 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. There is a power of God that is upon Jesus that can set you free from anything and everything that the devil is doing to oppress you, to put sickness on you, disease on you, keep you in debt, keep you in poverty, keep you depressed, put you, anything that the devil's doing to keep you um, addicted to things. Jesus has a power on him that can set you free from everything that the devil is doing to hold you captive. There is nothing, look at the person next to you and say, there is nothing that is impossible for God. Jesus has the power to set the captive free. Jesus has the power to open the eyes of the blind. Jesus has the power to restore your heart. Jesus has the power to bless your life in ways you could never imagine. When the favor of God comes on you, your life changes. Say, Jesus has got that ability. Say, well, that was back in the day. Well, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this is not just something that Jesus had back in the day. This is who he is. This is what he has. This is what he's able to do. And it's not going to change. His kingdom will never end. What else does he have? Let's read this one. Isaiah 11.2. 
through 5. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight will be in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance. Say, Jesus doesn't judge by appearance. Nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor. He will make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word. And one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. Jesus' underwear is truth. Did you put your truth on today? No, I'm free today. Go to Revelation chapter 1. Talk a little bit more about Jesus. Why am I sharing this with you? Because as we go into this week, and we're pressing into the things of God and preparing for a new year, I believe God's going to open some doors and show you some brand new things and give you access to things you've never had before. And I really want us as a church to come to know Jesus in a whole new way. Come to know our God in a brand new way. And there's things that we can discover about Him. I can tell you that I know Jesus is, is the one who's forgiven me for my sins. I know that. Because I don't have guilt anymore. I, I remember the things that I, in, in the old days, when I was just a rotten sinner living without God. I had such guilt. I had such shame. Um, I felt unclean. And when Jesus comes and washes you and cleanses you and makes you pure, you want to give that to everybody. Because you know the difference between living in darkness, living in sin, carrying guilt, shame, being burdened by all kinds of things and addictions. And then Jesus set you free from that? You discover life. You find life. You find freedom on the inside. And then for you to be able to access the presence of God, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one that can bring you into the presence of God. And when you discover this, you want to tell everybody about it. But I'm telling you, we tried to talk to people in Dubai about Jesus, and they had such a wall. They, had, they were so closed. There was such a resistance to it, and I understand it. When you grow up in church and you have revelation about God, there's a resistance to everything else. It's a strong, it becomes a stronghold in your mind. The stronghold we have is a good one. The stronghold they have is keeping them in slavery to sin. Amen. We are a very, very blessed people. That's what I'm here to tell you today. You're so blessed. You don't even realize how blessed you are. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9 through 20 says, I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos. He was sent to an island prison for preaching the word of God. Look at the person next to you and say, John was sent to an island prison for preaching the word of God. Let that sink in. And for my testimony about Jesus, it was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit 
And suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. So number one, Jesus' voice is like a trumpet when you hear it. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Samaria, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool and and white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held the seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came out from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. This is what John says when he has this vision and encounter with Jesus. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. Imagine all this. You turn around. You have this encounter. Suddenly you hear a trumpet. You hear a voice say, come up here. You turn around and look, and you have this vision of who Jesus is in all his glory. Oh, I had an encounter with Jesus today. He was riding a pony. Was it, no, it actually was a unicorn. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. And he laid his hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and the grave. That's who Jesus is. He's not some baby in a manger. He's not some dead guy in a tomb. He's not hanging on the cross in the Catholic Church. He's a resurrected Savior, living God, with a name above every name. He holds the keys to death and the grave in His hand. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is anointed. He has all wisdom. He has all power. He has all authority. It is at his name that every knee will bow, every tongue confess. When Jesus speaks, he whips his enemies. He thwarts his enemies. If Jesus ever shows up in your life, your whole life will change. But what kind of Jesus do you have? Do you have pony Jesus? Or do you have a resurrected Savior and Lord? Who is he to you? Who is this guy Jesus? What do your parents say about him? What do your kids say about him? What do, what do your coworkers say about him? It doesn't matter what they say. What do you say? I want you to stand with me. I want us to get the real thing, amen? We don't need no fake Jesus. We don't need no Jesus in a manger. We don't need no Jesus in, in, in a tomb. We need resurrected, ascended, in glory, We need to meet Him. Can you say amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we have been so blessed. Our lives are so blessed, God. 
because you've sent your one and only son to this earth, God, to lay down his life, to shed his blood so that we could be forgiven for our sins, Lord God. And Lord, I sense the urgency of the hour that we live in. And Lord, I ask that you would reveal yourself to us in this church, God. That Jesus, we would come to know you as the risen, resurrected Lord and Savior of the world. That we would come to know you and see you as the King of glory. Lord, I ask that you would visit with us. Lord, I ask that you would pour out a brand new understanding, new revelation of who you are, God. So that we as the body can be perfected for your coming, Lord God. So that every wrinkle and every blemish, every spot and every stain can be removed from our garments, Lord God. Lord Jesus, I ask you as the pastor of this church to purify us and to prepare us for your coming. Lord, I ask that there would be not one person that would be missing on the day that you return. That every single one of us, Lord God, would be ready every day. Make us ready, Lord God. Lord, I ask that you would come and do whatever you need to do. Lord Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I ask you to heal every member of this congregation, Lord God. Let them walk in divine health, Lord. Jesus, I ask that you would deliver every single person in this house from any form of addiction, Lord God. Whether it's pharmaceuticals, whether it's alcohol, whether it's nicotine, whether it's soda, whatever they're addicted to, God. Break them free from addictions that are bringing destruction to their lives. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would mend broken hearts. Lord Jesus, I ask that wherever there is hopelessness, wherever there is unbelief, that you would come and turn that around and that you would deposit your love, that you would deposit faith, that you would deposit hope in us as a people, Lord God. Lord, I ask wherever there is division because of what the enemy has done, whether it's in their households, whether it's in themselves, between other people, or between you, Lord God, that you would break every division out of our hearts and out of our lives. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I ask that you would open the book of life, that you would show each and every person in this house who they are, who you've called them to be, the assignments that you have for their lives, Lord God, and that their lives would count for eternity, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would make yourself real to each and every person and that the fear of the living God would fall in this house. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. I feel like singing, singing. When your joy comes upon me, all that I can do is start dancing, dancing. Precious than you, I can't help but lift up your name.